Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back. It's time for this. The Conspiracy Files on Tip Today. And Ali is with me and she has yet another conspiracy file under her oxter. How are you doing, Ali? Hi, Fran. Good morning. This is one I, I didn't know anything at all about this. Yeah, he's a fascinating figure. Yes, Edgar Casey. Uh, he's known as the sleeping psychic. Now, we've all heard of Nostradamus, of course, and the predictions he made, but not many people have heard about the sleeping psychic. And I wonder why, because Edgar Casey. And his predictions were actually a lot more precise than Nostradamus. And he gave an awful lot more readings than Nostradamus was. I don't hold much weight in Nostradamus anyway. But Edgar Casey, to me, was someone who's very, very interesting. Yeah, the Nostradamus stuff is very abstract. And very you could abstract. read several different things into exactly. it. Exactly. And you know? it doesn't really predict anything. I mean, you look back at it after an event and say, oh, that kind of fits. Yeah. So truly, he didn't really predict anything. But he, he was more real. About he it, was he? more real. And how it started with Edgar Casey, the sleeping psychic, is very interesting. So just to give you some background to him, he was born on March 18th of 1877 in Christian County in Kentucky in the US. His parents, Carrie Elizabeth and Leslie Burr Casey, were farmers. So very ordinary folk the parents of six children very religious though very religious family Casey was brought to church at the age of 10 and became absolutely obsessed with the Bible so over the course of about two years he read it from cover to cover over a dozen times now in May of 1889 Edgar Casey stated or claimed that while reading the Bible in his hut in the woods, he encountered a woman with wings who told him that his prayers had been answered. Now, this woman asked what he wanted most of all in his life, and he told the woman that what he wanted to do was to help others, especially children. So Casey said following this encounter, the next night, he had a complaint for his teacher because poor Edgar wasn't doing that well in school. He wasn't the cleverest. Uh, He just wasn't able to retain information. And he found it very stressful because his father was very strict on him in terms of education and would every night would test him on every single subject. So really stressed him out. On this particular night, he was testing Edgar on spelling. Edgar got every one of them wrong. Um, His father beat him mercilessly, knocked him off a chair, even knocking him unconscious at the time, and told Edgar, threw him into his room with his book and said the next time he went into that room, Edgar was to know every spelling in the book or he'd get beaten again. So Edgar... I think going by the story, Edgar was probably a little concussed from this assault. So went into his room, attempted to study but couldn't and fell asleep on the book. So what happened then when Edgar woke up, he found that he knew all of the answers to the questions in the book. Not only that, but he had a photographic memory of everything in the book. So he was able to recite all of the information from every page in it. So his father returned to the room, woke him up. Edgar then, by then, had known all the answers, repeated absolutely everything in the book. So his father then thought that he'd been fooling him the whole time, that Edgar had always been clever, and beat him up again then for lying to him. (laughs) Poor Edgar. But um, Casey then said that's how he studied his books from then, was he would fall asleep on them. And by doing that, he was able to retain all of the information within the book, even down to being able to draw out... Uh, pictures in the book or um, diagrams in the book. He was able to do that. 
he had a full recognition of it and, and full memory of it. So because of this, by 1892, he'd become the best student in his class. And he told his teacher that he saw pictures of the pages in the books. His father by now had stopped beating him and was very proud of him and was spreading the news all around town that Edgar was this amazing child who could retain any information from a book simply by sleeping on it. So he became a bit of a, a novelty, I suppose, around town. But this developed further because during a school ball game a couple of years later, Casey was struck in the coccyx. So, you know, the lower back can be very, very painful. Yes, it's if a it's tailbone, struck. is it? That's right, yeah. yeah. And he began to act strangely from it. Now, he said that when he was asleep, he diagnosed his ailment and recommended a cure. And how that happened was he was talking in his sleep over and over again, saying the same things over and over. His mother came in, thought, this is very strange. So she started writing down everything that he was saying. And when he woke up, he realised that what it was, was a diagnosis of what was wrong with him and instructions as to how to cure it. So they followed these instructions and it worked. He was cured. So Casey's reported ability then to diagnose in his sleep, it went after that. It didn't return for several years. But when it did, he decided that he was going to use it to help other people. So there was a pivotal incident in Casey's life and it involved his wife, Gertrude. So when he was an adult then and he got married to Gertrude, he still had the ability, but not as much as as when he was injured himself. But after their second son, Milton, was born in March of 1911, Poor Milton sadly died a few weeks later and Gertrude fell very ill with what we would probably call now postnatal depression and grief. She also developed TB. Doctors didn't have much hope for her and gave her just weeks to live. So she begged Casey for a reading, which he was reluctant to do, but he did. And he was able to identify that a lot of her physical ailments were as a result of her emotional trauma. And from that, he was able to devise a treatment plan for her. So Gertrude followed that plan under his guidance and she fully recovered. So that was when he decided to use his powers for a wider audience. Now, Edgar Evans Casey is a son of Casey. He spoke a number of years ago of how his father conducted his readings. It wasn't anything weird, as a lot of people would think. Dad would simply lie down on a couch or bed. He had a couch in his office. If he had a tie on, he would loosen his tie and just cross his hands over his stomach and just lay back and relax. When Edgar's eyelids began to flutter, the conductor, Edgar's father, and Gertrude in later years would know Edgar was in trance. The suggestion was then given, the name of the person and where they would be at the time of the reading. Now, the person could be in the room, or he could be in another state or another city. It didn't matter. I remember one time he had a reading on a man who was supposed to be in an apartment in New York. Dad lay there a minute and says, we do not have the body. He said, he's not here. He said, he's on a bus coming across town. He said, there's a traffic. There was a traffic accident. The bus is late. He said, he'll be here in a minute. We'll wait. And all of a sudden, he said, he's come in now. To the man in New York later verified everything Casey had said. Now, there's a beautiful piece of clairvoyance, of something that somebody couldn't have anticipated that would, seems to me, point to the accuracy of his readings. That's remarkable. Yeah. That, that's his son speaking. That's his there. son speaking yeah, a number of years ago. Wow. So it also plays into. Um, Placements as well. I can't remember the term that they use, but the FBI and the CIA actually investigated that uh, during the 50s and 60s, um, whether someone could travel somewhere 
um, mentally. Yes. Um, I can't remember the, the word for it, but there is a word for it. But Edgar Casey was able to do that before that was actually a thing, but it was later investigated. Right. Is that like astral... And conducted. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Astral, astral planing, visitation or planing. Yeah, planing, yeah. Yes. like that. So he was able to do that before it actually was a thing. So Edgar then continued with his readings. He'd meet patients, he'd diagnose illness, he'd give the recipe for a cure or a treatment plan. Did it all for free as well. But what began to frustrate Casey was that many people weren't serious about following up and in terms of their treatment plan and their care. So what Casey wanted to do then was set up his own hospital and oversee the patients from start to finish. That hospital became his absolute life's obsession. And that desire was especially strong after the war. So Harmon H. Bro wrote a biography of Casey and he says that that's what drove him to continue his treatment. At the end of World War I, this was kicked him into the whole hospital venture. He discovered that his readings could outline treatments for shell-shocked veterans and nobody else knew what to do with them. There were a lot of them. And those who followed his instructions got better. Oh, was he taken advantage of? He was, unfortunately, and yeah. you, you'd see that in a lot of these cases. Also by his father. He fell out with his father uh, just after he got married, after the birth of their third child. He found out that his father would um, take money from people who would come in and ask him about stocks and where they should invest money. <coughs> now, I have to say, Edgar... When he was um, giving his readings, he never knew, like, he was out. He didn't know what he was saying, so he wasn't aware of what was going on oh, during the readings. Okay. So he was never aware. So his father would bring in people who would ask him questions about the stock exchange and where they should invest money. There was one time even Edgar woke up from a trance to find that blood was being taken from him. So his father had allowed doctors to give him money so they could test his blood to see if he was under the influence of drugs. So he fell out with his father then after that, never spoke to him again and was very careful about who he trusted because there were a lot of people. There were even sometimes people would say, I need you to do a reading with my child. My child is very sick. But then it, uh, it would transpire that the child wasn't sick at all, that they had kind of tried to get information other, other on motives. him. And, and yeah. was he accurate about the stock exchange, for example? Was he was. He that predict- was one of his biggest predictions. He predicted the stock exchange crash in 1929. Um, a lot of people said he was wrong about that. He was very sure it was going to happen, and it did end up happening as well. Uh, he came to prominence, I suppose, in 1943 after the publication of Miracle Man of Virginia Beach that was published in the Coronet magazine. Um, he gave um, an interview with a journalist saying that he was concerned about the treatment of American soldiers coming back from war. And as a result of that, then, he was getting requests from families who were looking for help in finding loved ones who were missing in action. So he increased the number of readings to eight per day in an attempt to reduce the backlog of requests that he was getting because he didn't want to turn anyone away. But this affected his health hugely. It was emotionally draining and very fatiguing. Uh, The readings themselves, so when he was under, um, he would say to himself, you're doing too much and you need to limit your workload maybe to two readings a day or it will kill you. So this is what the readings were telling him himself. So this is a prediction about himself. About himself. So just to give you a a measure of how many readings he was doing, from June 1943 to June 1944, so one year, he did 1,385 readings. And by August of 1944, then, he had collapsed under the strain of it. When he took then a reading on his own situation, he was instructed to rest until he was well or until he was dead. 
So he and Gertrude then, Gertrude brought him off to the Virginia mountains. He had a stroke in September, died on January 3rd of 1945, age 67, and in fact predicted his own death because three days before his death he had a reading and said he would be buried in four days. And his prediction was correct. So, what did he predict? Well, as I said, he predicted the the crash, the stock market crash of 1929. He also predicted uh, World War II. Uh, He predicted the possibility of the Second World War in Europe. He warned it would begin around 1936 to 1939. Uh, It actually began September of 1939, just as he foretold. In relation to the stock market crash and the Great Depression, he warned that years of confusion economically in the country, the stock market took a nosedive in 1929, which of course resulted in the onset of the Great Depression. So in terms of future events for us, he also, what he predicted is quite scary for us. So he predicted that life would alter, life as we know it would dramatically alter. One of the most frightening predictions he made was the possibility of an alien invasion in 2024. Go on. 2024, he said that extraterrestrials from the Aldebaran solar system located in the constellation of Taurus will arrive on Earth in 2024. He warned that if humanity's collective consciousness is not elevated to a higher spiritual plane, then these aliens may pose a threat. He also predicts that America and other Western countries will no longer retain their status as world leaders and superpowers. He suggests that by the end of this year, all of that power will shift to the East. And a lot of that is looking it is. plausible. Isn't and what's very worrying is a lot of his future predictions actually happened this year in 2024. Um, so it seems to be a pivotal year. What we also have to look forward to this year, here's the big one. So he's predicting that the magnetic poles will shift this year, which will cause confusion economically in every country in the world. He says that changes in the Gulf Stream will melt the polar ice caps, raise sea levels and alter weather patterns across the globe. You could argue that's already happening. But it's his predictions then on what will happen with these pole shifts. They're terrifying. Here, listen to this. In 1936, Edgar Cayce predicted that the world would undergo a pole shift between 16 and 20 degrees. And this would happen when both Mount Etna in Italy and Mount Pelee in Martinique erupt together. And when that happens, we'll have 90 days to evacuate the coastline. Mount Etna just erupted a few months ago, and scientists at Mount Pelee said that the seismic activity there is above baseline. Now, if the poles do shift, as Edgar Cayce predicts, the world map is going to look very different. Africa will be divided into three parts. The Nile will widen and a brand new waterway will split the continent. As the Red Sea grows, Cairo will eventually disappear into the sea. Asia is already very seismic and will suffer the most dramatic changes. Land will be covered from the Philippines to Japan by the ocean. As the Pacific plate shifts, the islands of Japan will sink, leaving only a few small islands. Taiwan and most of Korea will be completely lost to the sea. The entire coast of China will be pushed inland hundreds of miles. The population of India will be told not to seek higher ground within the interior of the country due to buckling of the land. Instead, they'll have to head to the Himalayas. The high mountains of Tibet and Nepal will provide refuge. Antarctica will no longer be covered in ice, but will once again become fertile and green. Australia will lose nearly 25% of its land due to coastal flooding. The Adelaide area will become a new sea. The Simpson and Gibson deserts will become fertile farming land. New Zealand will actually grow in size and will once again connect to mainland Australia. And New Zealand will ultimately become one of the safest areas in the new world. Lucky Kiwis. Europe will suffer. 
Most of Northern Europe will simply be gone, sunk into the sea as the tectonic plate underneath it collapses. Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark disappear, eventually becoming hundreds of small islands. Most of the UK, from Scotland to the English Channel, will disappear into the ocean, but several small islands will remain. London and Birmingham will actually survive, but not as cities, as islands. Ireland will disappear completely except for land at high elevation. Russia will be separated from Europe by an entirely new sea when the Caspian, Black, Kara, and Baltic seas combine. The new sea will stretch all the way to Siberia. Russia's climate will remain intact, leaving Russia to supply most of Europe's food. In Canada, most of the coastline will be pushed in by 200 miles. Regions in Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and areas of Alberta will become the refugee survival center of Canada. As the North American plate buckles, the new islands of California will be created with almost 150 separate islands. The West Coast will recede east toward Nebraska, Wyoming, and Colorado. The Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence will join and continue from the Mississippi River all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. All coastal areas from Maine to Florida will be taken over by water and pushed inland for miles. Most of the coastal areas of Mexico will be flooded. The California Baja Coast will ultimately become a series of islands. Billions of people will be displaced by this cataclysm. Billions more will be killed. You've cheered That's us up. Cheery, uh, isn't it? You've cheered us up considerably. I'm heading for Galtie Moore. I tell you, we'll all be heading for Galtie Moore <laughs> that day. But he was very specific on what exactly was going to happen. He also had some very interesting ideas. He said that we we've reinterpreted the history of life on Earth wrong as well. And a lot of what we're hearing now as well, if you listen into eight like Ancient Aliens is a good show and ancient mapping yeah. and things like that, where they say um, what we've been taught about the history of Earth isn't actually real at all. Because there have been other civilizations, is that like it? Like every civilization has talked about a major um, cataclysm Event, that's yes. happened, normally a flood, and that has destroyed any evidence of, of a higher culture. Like Atlantis, a lot of people would have said were very intelligent. He truly believed in Atlantis. He even uh, predicted that it would be found in 1978. A lot of people might say it hasn't. But if you look into it, there was an area in Bimini, which is just off the Bahamas, which was discovered underwater when they were doing underwater works. It's a three-kilometre stretch of what looks like a road. And on each side of the road, it's lined with pillars. Um, but we're told that that was a natural occurrence. And not to look into please it. Please tell me that he's been wrong. He has been wrong, to be fair. Now, right. he did predict that North America would experience existential chaos during the 30s, that Los Angeles, South San Francisco would be destroyed before New York. He predicted the second coming of Christ in 1998. Um, now, sceptics and science writers were also very damning of him and his psychic abilities and his quackery, as they called it, um, because of his promotion of pseudoscientific dieting and homeopathic remedies but you can say we do buy into that a lot now mm. we do he was the first person to say there's a connection between the body and mind and you have to treat both if you want to cure one of them or both of them so we we certainly buy into that now um there is much more acceptance of that now in fact there's a, an organization that was set up it's ARE it's a group uh, that go by and follow the teachings and practices of Edgar Casey. they have their own clinics and hospitals as well in America which bring in that the tie between the physical the mental the, the body and the spirit so it is something that is uh, replicated now and, and still followed through so he did get his dream of a hospital in the end that was all he wanted uh, but whether or not you believe him he, I think like every every person who'll predict things that will happen in the future you're going to get it right some of the time you're not always going to 
you know, get it right. Some things are going to be wrong. It's fascinating. I, I guess there's a lot more as well. So it's Edgar Casey, but Edgar it's spelt it's spelt uh, C A Y C E, isn't it? If people just want to look that up, that's right. And he'd be it, the sleeping psychic, is what he's known as. But it's absolutely fascinating his story. <laughs> oh, go <laughs> on. One of our listeners says, "Don't tell us any more." But by the way, did he say anything about Limerick's five in a row? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that came up. <laughs> I think that's from Johnny Luby, actually, which is very good. All right, thanks very much, thanks, Ellie. Fern. Thank you for, for that, um, for cheering us all up today. We'll be back in a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 